0: Hello friends and welcome to this new Lord of the Rings themed episode on the Myth Pilgrim. Today I bring back a guest some of you may remember from previous episodes, Danny Cote Davis, the British Lord of the Rings extraordinaire who runs Silverion medieval camps and is a champion behind the cause for J. R. R. Tolkien's canonisation. The theme of this episode was actually inspired by two very beloved characters in the Lord of the Rings that many fans do not even know about, because they were tragically cut from the Peter Jackson movies. Hmm. Who were they and why are they worth our attention? Well, Danny has co-authored a book which explores these very questions. Today I'll share some snippets from a long interview I did with Danny about his book, with a particular focus on what wisdom Tolkien has to offer us about spiritual warfare, particularly the weapons of innocence? and humour. So, without much further ado, here are some highlights from our interview. So Danny, there are two very well-loved, treasured characters in The Lord of the Rings that unfortunately for some reasons didn't actually make the Peter Jackson films. Who are these characters and um, where do we find them in the actual written novel of The Lord of the Rings? And yeah, what's some of their significance for you?
1: Yeah, so these two characters are called Tom Bombadil and Goldberry. Now one of the reasons they're often missed out is they come across a little bit silly. Um, But silliness for me is not necessarily, um, uh, it could actually be quite a serious thing. Um, And I can sort of go into this a bit later with the Russian Orthodox tradition of the fool, for example, who has a very strong sacral uh, dimension. But candidly, in the story, they appear um, when the ring raids are chasing um, the hobbits um, through the forest. And Tom Bombadil arrives singing quite a silly song. He's singing a song about how he's bringing flowers for Goldberry, the woman that he loves. And she's a kind of river spirit. Now, um, this meeting um, actually involves Tom Bombadil saving them from a tree that's crushing them to death. Um, And we later find out that his voice, his singing, actually uh, can perform a kind of exorcism and cast the wraiths away. So his house is actually a very safe place for them. And within the entering into his house, they encounter his wife, the really the object of his devotion. And uh, she's absolutely beautiful, but in quite a simple way, quite a noble simplicity. And she brings them into the house, brings them food, brings them, um, they they have a bath, um, and then they're seated down to the meal. Um, And within this encounter, they seem to have nurture and this presence of almost having um, a home that is even perhaps better than the home they've left behind. Um, It's such an unimaginable um, encounter for them to have, given the context within which they are in, um, running for their lives and actually um, really um, at at great peril. Um, And it seems to me even different to Rivendell. I mean, Rivendell still seems to be within the fabrics of a military resistance against evil. With Tom and Goldberry, it's simply joy and joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is the realization that the innocence of the divine is stronger than anything that hell could could fathom. And it's that joy um, that is so distinctive in Tom and Goldberry's house. And often silliness is misunderstood, but silliness is actually rooted in fundamental seriousness. You can have nothing more serious than a being who can put the ring... <laughs> on his own finger <laughs> and uh, and have no effect um, and this is this is the other sign of the, the presence of the holy spirit this, sorry
0: this is tom we're talking about yeah he puts a ring yeah. on it has no effect on him
1: uh, sorry yeah just to clarify and no wonder peter jackson wanted to take that out because it seemed <laughs> to trivialize the whole thing um and and no wonder people think well what's this all about um, but actually i think it gives dignity to the whole thing because the the be-all and end of defeating Sauron is not some kind of great military victory. It's just the the reinstalling of things as they should be, which is like permeated by a divine innocence, which is as joyful as what Goldberry has described as sort of an infinitely perceivable water spirit, you know? And actually we know that from within the story itself. The council of elrond doesn't know what to do with tom bombadil they elrond actually says he is a strange creature (laughs) that is the description um but it's worthy of note to see that gandalf actually goes to tom bombadil at the end of the story and um, there's an argument to be made that um whilst gandalf is the servant of the secret fire tom is actually the master of the secret fire so really I think that the mystery that that's miss often misunderstood with tom and Goldrie is they seem to be from another dimension but also in time and that kind of dimension which is actually so innocent whatever god is is before any evil before any need of salvation at all this divine innocence within the story and i think it's that innocence that subtlety um, that hiddenness of these two characters which made them sort of seem a bit irrelevant to Peter Jackson's particular version but actually as I say in the book with Michael without them meeting Tom and Goldberry the exorcism of middle earth would not have happened they received the holy spirit through that encounter and it was a hidden thing it was a secret thing i think that's that's the primary power is that innocence has already got a victory over hell um, so if you ta- start tapping into that source, um, you are going to find a strength that is stronger than any Balrog, any Sauron, any Ringwraith, mm. any Nazgul, any um, barrow Whites, Like there's nothing that can get onto that, um, that particular um, charism, that particular gift of innocence, like mm. nothing can destroy it. So I think that's the authority that is bestowed upon the Hobbits which becomes their life-giving strength. And Mm. um, it's what Gandalf later refers to, sorry, just to finish, Gandalf later refers to whatever it it was that they received there as being a hope beyond all endurance Mm. and a hope unquenchable. And Mm. I think that is the gift of innocence. It's like a hope that cannot be destroyed.
0: Danny and I then move on to talk about the significance of humour and light-heartedness in the spiritual life, exemplified, of course, by Tom Bombadil and Goldberry. So, Danny, I just wanted to get your thoughts on earlier. You were talking about how um, Tom Tom Bombadil and Goldberry. Had that silliness about them, that that kind of childlike innocence, and therefore they weren't. It didn't really seem to fit into an action film, so to speak, which is probably more of a, you know, that's probably how the films were portrayed in in movie form. I remember, I think it was Bishop Barron who who mentioned that the word uh, humor and humility actually have the same root word, um, and it's sort of something about groundedness in reality. And I've always found that fascinating. That um, Humour and joy and laughter and merriment, which is stamped all throughout The Lord of the Rings, really, even though it's the, you know, the fate of the world at stake. It's always something Tolkien really, um, almost deliberately instilled in his work, you know, in the poems and the songs that the Hobbits break out in, in, in Tom and Goldberry. Um, I just, something, is that something you've noticed? And I guess, what's, let's see if we can't tease out the significance of that, that lightheartedness, that sort of joy in the midst of evil.
1: Well, that's that's the absolute gift of the the salvation story. God has the final word against a human being. Um, And that 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 victory stems from innocence. So you might have some concrete examples of this. I mean, I think the the story of Jonah, for example, from the Old Testament, is absolutely hilarious. (laughs) I mean, a funny story. I mean, God calls Jonah to be a prophet. He goes in the opposite direction. Everything that Jonah does is against what God wants. And in a whimsical fashion, it all works in God's favor. It's a very, very funny story. It's written to be funny. Um, It's also quite funny, for example, the book of Tobit, uh, where God says to Tobit, go and marry this woman. Don't worry, the last eight people are all dead and they're in the ground. And whenever you get to the wedding night, and um, with her, the, the, a demon called Asmodeus comes in and, and, and sort of kills them. <laughs> they go and marry her. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, they, these are very funny situations um, that are, are funny precisely because of the evil. Uh, that It's kind of interesting. I mean, no one really could conceive of a greater villain than Morgoth, um, who is actually above Sauron demands human sacrifice i mean it's not like tolkien didn't know what evil was i don't think anyone made such an evil character as morgoth present to people but this is the joy of judaism and the joy of catholicism is that very real evil has been defeated and humiliated. And I think this is the gift of the saints, uh, to enter into this space where evil is made a mockery of in public. That is what it means to be a saint. I think um, there's a good Benedictine story about this, um, which is that Saint Benedict comes across two of his monks um, who are laughing in evening prayers, and they're, they're in hysterics and they think that they're going to get in trouble. They might get a beating. I mean, the old Benedictine rule was quite tough. And St. Benedict looks at them and he says, look, laugh, be merry, because Christ has broken the bonds of hell. (laughs) So that's his counsel to them. He's like, you're in the right space right now. What you are reacting to is the correct and appropriate um, response to evil being destroyed. I think also of characters like I said, the Russian fool, uh, the fool in the Russian Orthodox tradition. He enters this silly space um, because he's sort of a prophet of the mystery of the folly of divine love. Um, Saint Paul calls like mm. God's wisdom folly, mm. um, and folly is is very linked to the word fool. Um, so there's something sort of foolish and eternally flippant. About a god who t- makes a mockery of evil. People used to call it the the Paschal joke. You know, the the greatest joke play is played on the devil at Easter, when death and suffering are turned into salvation, and and are ultimately destroyed forever. I mean, if you're on the side of that narrative, on that, and you're standing on the side of it, um, of the side of victory, then really, there's nothing funnier. Uh, than than definitively destroying hell.
0: If you're enjoying this episode of The Myth Pilgrim, do consider sharing it with your friends so that we can together encounter God veiled in our favourite tales. I'm always open to your feedback and ideas too, so always feel free to contact me on The Myth Pilgrim Facebook page or through the website at themythpilgrim.com. If, if there was listeners uh, who are currently really, um, there's people from all over the world who tune into The Myth Pilgrim, but who may be experiencing at the moment a personal darkness or um, a, you know, I guess the oppressiveness of evil in the world and they feel helpless about it, how would you recommend, so given the light of um, what we've explored with the Spirit and this, this gift that was given to them, the, the hobbits that is, um, on their mission, how would someone open to the gift of the Spirit so that they can have this this lightheartedness, this holy innocence?
1: I think I think the Catholic faith particularly is very concrete. So specifically receiving the sacraments um, is, a, is a surefire win because it's very concrete. Go to a priest and receive Holy Communion. In a state of grace go and receive absolution from a priest concretely he's somewhere in your neighborhood or, or you know might take need to go and take a bus go and do this action concrete and uh, you know get married to someone <laughs> become a priest um, go and go and do something concrete our faith is, is sacramental um that it it, it it exists in the groundedness of things now that's kind of a a overarching uh, thing but i think it's important to state that particularly as catholics the sacraments are a way of receiving the spirit surefire way now within that groundedness i think one of the s- signs of our victory as catholics is not it's rooted deeper than any action and i think that's another thing that we can learn from tom Bombardil and Goldberry: is primarily as catholics receiving the holy spirit is something that we do on the level of our being it, we, we do this on the level of our being and what i mean by that is that then that's what tom got tom Bombadil and Goldberry are like they they are the ones who have the fullness of being and, and what i mean by that is that before we do anything we need to know first of all who we are that's on the level of our being that's on the level of our identity mm. and we need to get that right first before doing anything. Now, of course, I've said practically go and receive a sacrament, but the sacraments order us in that way to realize that we are loved and treasured and adored on the level of who we are. That's what the sacraments fundamentally do. That's what confession means. It's like there's nothing you can do that can make you not loved. That's all that confession says. And Holy Communion is like, I am loved so much that God is giving himself to me. On the level of my being so the this kind of structure of the sacraments i think is what tom bombadil and gold are about as well because it's like if you can get to know who you are in your identity which is something that is independent of anything that you might do the funny thing is is if you get that right then everything else will be done appropriately that that's literally the, the way that I see it. Now, I would give you another practical tip which changed my life. In 2015, I consecrated myself to the Virgin Mary. There are ways to do it. Um, there's a th- book called 33 Days mm. to Mother Glory. This particular book is very accessible and easy. Um, the priest who wrote it also wrote a book on the Trinity um, where he talks about like you, you, you sometimes um, just want to dive right in and, and experience things full on. Now, for me, um, I couldn't give a better means by which you could experience some of the things we've talked about in this podcast than to consecrate yourself to Mary through this book. It's very accessible. And what it does is it allows you to realize that the gift of yourself on the level of your being is, is, is the, the greatest treasure you could ever actually receive. <laughs> because in giving yourself to Mary, um, your life doesn't belong to you anymore anymore. But in doing that, it does belong to you in a completely new way. And uh, I think that's what our faith has always been about is, as St. Therese puts it also on this level, like Jesus just wants the whole of your heart. He just wants all of it. He wants all of your heart. So I always found the Marian consecration a good way of doing this. But these revelations are about this category of being before doing. And I think that's the thing that we could open ourselves up to through this podcast is to realize we need to, first of all, know who we are in the Holy Spirit. When we know who we are in the Holy Spirit, we are part of the greatest joke that has ever been told in history. There is nothing more funny than making a mockery of hell. There is, I, I In my camp, the children of light, they shout the most flippant thing that has ever been recorded in the human tongue. They shout, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? There is nothing more flippant to say than that. That is making a mockery of death and a mockery of hell. That is a very funny thing to do, but it's also a very powerful thing. And we only do that because it has seized us on the level of our being first. We know these things before we do anything. And I think once we know that we are part of this trajectory against hell and evil that is not of our own strength, but that we really are um, grafted into this Mm. victory that has been won for us, there is nothing that can destroy us. There is nothing that can take away our joy. There is no power or force, says St. Paul, that can take us away from the love of Christ. That is the most powerful thing on the level of our being. And I think when we are touched on that level, I would promote Marian consecration as probably the best way to do it um, Mm. beyond receiving the sacraments. So go and become a saint. That's what Tom Bombadil and Goldberry say. They say to the hobbits, go and become a
0: saint. (laughs) And I hope you've enjoyed this special episode with Danny Cote Davis. It's hard to believe we've launched out so much from just one chapter on Tom Bombadil and Goldberry, discussing the power of humour, of humility, of joy and original innocence. If you'd like to plunge into these themes and so much more, remember that Danny has actually co-authored that book with Michael Organ, which is now available through Amazon right around the world. It's called Guests, Hosts and the Holy Ghost. Who Tolkien's Tom Bombadil and Goldberry are and why it really matters love the title if you're keen to grab a copy i will leave a link to it from our website at themythpilgrim.com and in the show notes for this episode enjoy i think that's it for today until next time and journey forth take care and god bless